Read and hear more about important news and policy issues at ncpolicywatch.com. This is News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views. I'm Rob Schofield. As we heard in our previous segment, there's no getting around the fact that political and ideological divisions in the nation's capital remain significant on a host of issues, from the federal debt to the future of reproductive freedom. On another issue that's long been a source of these same kind of divisions, however, we've at least seen some very modest inklings of hope that some Republicans who've long stood in the way of any kind of progress are now open to compromise. The subject is immigration law, and as I learned earlier this week in a conversation I had with American Immigration Council Senior Staff Attorney Raul Pinto, this is an area in desperate need of reform, particularly with respect to the dire circumstances facing thousands of asylum seekers stuck at the U.S. border. And as Pinto told me, there's enough blame to go around amongst Republicans and Democrats for the current broken situation. Well, Raul Pinto, welcome to News and Views. Thanks so much for being with us. Hey, Rob. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. There's a lot going on in the field of immigration law these days, probably lots more that should be going on. There's good news. There's some troubling news. Before we get into that, though, I just wanted to reiterate, there are some remarkable statistics that are on the American Immigration Council website, which is, of course, the organization for which you work, about just the size of the immigrant population, both nationally and even in North Carolina, where it's like almost one out of 10 people in our state at this point, and they're paying something like $7.7 billion in taxes, the immigrants in our state, $21 billion in spending power. This is a huge part of our population, and it's sort of remarkable. We we ignored it, our own demise and risk. It seems like a fair assessment. Yeah. And the contributions always seem to be put under the rug when it comes to the debates as to whether we want in the state, whether we want policies that are going to push forward you know, driver's licenses for undocumented folks and state tuition for DACA recipients who have been paying into these systems and paying, as you're saying, taxes and making contributions for a very long time, but unfortunately can't access them. And so it gets lost in, in the debate as to as to what happens to, to those folks and how they're making a, a life in North Carolina and contributing to it and not necessarily getting anything back. One of the other statistics was 62,000 immigrant entrepreneurs in our state. These are folks who, you know, we see reports from other parts of the world where populations are aging or declining. And one of the obvious things that is a benefit to the American population is immigrants are providing the workers of the future, the people who will actually pay the taxes, pay the bills, take care of our population, native-born population as it ages. I mean, there's just no getting around that, right? Yeah, and I do think that it's important to note sort of that that mentality is not what it's being implemented at the border, even by the Biden administration. And that has been some of the policies that were implemented by the Trump administration have actually continued throughout the years and have been limiting the number of individuals that come to the United States. Right. And, and, you know, seeking asylum is not a crime or an illegal thing to do. And most folks that are coming into the southern border are seeking asylum. And, you know, we see sort of very strenuous limitations on what folks can do. And, you know, the farce of using a health law like Title 42, right, as a way to expel folks that are seeking asylum is a little bit ridiculous. But um, but let's talk about that. This was a rule that the Trump administration cooked up to sort of keep people out of the country. This was all predicated on the notion that they were somehow bringing COVID into the country when Americans were bringing COVID to the rest of the world in many instances. They call it Title 42. And it's it's actually people who, as you say, who are literally in life or death struggles seeking asylum from terror, from persecution, repression in their homelands, violence, gangs are being 
kept out of the country, even though ordinarily they'd have a right to seek asylum in our country. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, just to clarify a little bit, I mean, Title 42 has been on the books for years. So is this the right. first time that it was kind of used that, that particular way? And as you're saying, sort of it was cooked up a little bit, the, the, the current use cooked up by the Trump administration, and then actually expanded by the Biden administration, even though they're fighting it against in court, in a case in, in Washington, you know, they're still sort of trying trying to implement it. And what it's doing is really expelling people, as you're saying, that are, are sort of coming from areas that are in peril, and that their lives are in grave danger. And so now we're seeing sort of new programs, the Biden administration has tried to reach agreements with Mexico to implement new new programs so that people could enter the United States in an orderly way and safe and humane way. And I think that is the key. I think the, the process needs to be orderly, safe and humane so that these people can actually reach the safety of, of the United States. But what we're seeing, for example, is the implementation of this new app you know, mobile phone, just like you have it on your phone, where people mm-hmm. are having to input their information in order to gain access to these uh, to these programs. So, for example, if you're seeking an exemption to Title 42, now the main way, the main method to do so is actually entering your your information on this app that is really lacks a lot of clarity as to how it works. You know, who's keeping that information? We know that CBP is keeping some of that information, but there's still a lot of questions and they're being forced to actually use these uh, these new systems. And so we think that those are tools that may actually be excluding people from these processes rather than actually being inclusive and, and fair. Well, it just stands to reason also that there are probably a lot of people who are penniless immigrants evading terror in their home country who may not have the most up-to-date technology in their pocket to download an app, you know, and to be able to negotiate such a system. Obviously, it's it's a remarkable state of affairs. We're talking with American Immigration Council Senior Staff Attorney Raul Pinto about sort of the state of immigration law in the United States. There's some really troubling news. There has been some good news. There was an announcement of a policy just, um, gosh, just a week or two ago from the Biden administration that should provide at least a little more protection to immigrant workers, right, who may be the victim of labor rights violations or just uh, witness it. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, and I think that was uh, a little bit of good news in that sense. These workers that report labor violations are always at risk of retaliation. And in, in my previous life, we helped a couple of folks that had reported wage theft and, and other types of violations and retaliation at the works at the work sites. And um, you know, they're very sad stories because they're really destitute as to what to do because the, the employer sort of holds all the power and all the cards in that sense. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think this is a big win. There could be more, right? And and I guess in, in the realm of good news as well. You have the agreement that the Biden administration reached with Mexico to accept about 30,000 immigrants per month from from Cuba, from Haiti, from Nicaragua and Venezuela. But it goes back to sort of are these programs going to be implemented fairly as well? So that's that's a big that's a big question. But, yeah, we're looking for some silver linings. Those would be two that I would uh, that I would highlight. One area that continues very frustratingly to be ignored and not acted upon is DACA, right? The Deferred Action Program that has allowed some young people to stay in the country. There was a a real effort, it seemed, near the end of the most recently adjourned Congress to try to come up with some sort of compromise. Actually, North Carolina Senator Tom Tillis was a part of some of those negotiations, but it seemed to fall through at the last minute. So a lot of, of, not even young at this point, people who've been here for a while, uh, been really no no other country to live in. They've lived here essentially their whole lives. Are still sort of hanging out there in limbo. Is that a fair assessment? You know, the DACA shouldn't be controversial, and and Senator Tillis has tried to come up with ways to bring his caucus and other senators and that chamber along for a potential compromise. The devil's in the details in those proposals and those policies. You know, we, we see what we 
you know, whether that comes with some conditions as to border security. And actually, to Senator Tillis's credit, I mean, he's visited the border. Uh, it was reported in the media that he was working with Senator Sinema and Senator Kelly from Arizona about measures relating to the border. And so we hope, we hope that there could be some form of agreement so that these DACA recipients can actually gain the ease of mind that they so deserve. Because as you're saying, they've been in the United States for quite some time, for you know at least a decade now, more than a decade, actually. And it's really deservedly that, that they get some kind of peace of mind when it comes to their status here. We're coming to the end of our time with Raul Pinto, who's a senior staff attorney at the American Immigration Council. I guess the, the big question, Raul, is it's been decades, really, since the United States has had comprehensive immigration reform. And I think it's a fair assessment to say there just remains a desperate need to bring some sort of humane coherence to our immigration system. And it, as it is now, that remains sorely lacking. Yeah. And I think there's it's a multi-pronged problem. I mean, we're seeing the delays in court proceedings. We're seeing massive delays when it comes to adjudication of asylum petitions, something that, you know, for folks that, that are in danger in their home countries, and those delays are extremely unsettling. You know, we see the the, the lack of um, infrastructure at the border. We see that the current system, at least also for work visas and for highly skilled laborers, they don't make sense anymore, uh, the current policies. And so I think there, there needs to be a sort of holistic approach to this problem. It seems like a tall ask from the currently uh, divided U.S. Congress, but hope springs eternal. We know that the American Immigration Council is doing great work on this front. We're glad you're a part of that discussion and debate and keeping track of it for us here in North Carolina. Raul, take care, stay safe. We'll check in again later this uh, spring and hopefully maybe have some more good news to share with people at that time. Fingers crossed, Rob. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Coming up next, I'll talk to a leading advocate for reproductive freedom about the tenuous state of abortion rights in North Carolina. Stay with us. 